You're listening to sermons from St. Thomas Anglican Mission, located in Matthews County, Virginia, striving to live out the ancient faith through common prayer. Here's what we have for you this week. Let's go back to Exodus. Um, Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon upon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Jumping down to verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And the Lord said, Certainly I will be with thee. Let's pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So, uh, this, this morning um, is going to be the first, actually, of a few Sundays, um, which, and I know I, I mentioned this to, to you all, the people of St. Thomas, um, but this morning is going to be the first of a few Sundays where I'm going to uh, take us away from the lectionary cycle. Um, it's Trinity season or uh, uh, ordinary time or whatever, so we're going to... Uh, step off of the lectionary readings or whatnot um, for a few weeks uh, because I feel like you know the Lord is uh, impressed um, you know some things on on my heart or whatever um, so it because of that it led me to reread actually some of the things that I some thoughts and things that over the years I've talked about before not in the context of St. Thomas but in pre St. Thomas days um, you know, and some of those actual thoughts are going to be in, in this or whatever. And so, um, you know, which isn't necessarily a bad thing or whatever, but it's just, you know, just something that the Lord is stirring up and, and um, you know, speaking or whatever due to some, some sermons and some other talks and stuff I've listened to this week and just some different things. And so... This series, uh, I don't know if you all saw the post on Facebook, it's going to be called Excuses. 
Uh, we all have them. And uh, I don't actually know if I've ever done a series for St. Thomas yet, so we will see how this goes. Um, but, you know, it should be, should be all right. And so over the course of this, you know, uh, I don't know, three, four weeks, whatever it might be, we're going to look at Moses, Jonah, and Ananias of Damascus. Um, which is not the same Ananias who was struck dead with his wife. This is Ananias who laid hands on Paul uh, and the scales fell from his eyes and those things. So, so today again we're, we're going we're gonna to look at Moses which is what I just read from you out of Exodus. And so just to set the stage, uh, you know, the, the Hebrews found themselves in, in Egypt, right? Because if we go back, we find that uh, years ago, Joseph in his, you know, coat of many colors and all that, in this wild dream, his brothers threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. He worked his way up through the ranks and became, you know, something high and mighty in, in the uh, Egyptian government, became close to the Pharaoh. And, you know, and so because of that, this famine happened and all his family then moved and came into Egypt, and, and they lived in this land of plenteousness and all that. But then Pharaoh died, right? Pharaoh died at that, at that point, and he didn't remember the Joseph and the story and all these things or whatever. And so, you know, the, these, Egypt, these uh, Hebrews began to multiply and began to increase in number and became uh, a large amount of people here in Egypt to the point where the Pharaoh became concerned and he said Hebrew women are giving birth to babies way in a plenteous degree compared to the Egyptian women so let's begin killing the baby boys um, yeah and so that's where we we find you know this morning Moses was born uh, to, to a Hebrew couple and you know they put him in the basket set him down the river Pharaoh's wife or a Pharaoh's daughter, excuse me, uh, adopted him. And so Moses grows up in the court, being a prince of Egypt and all that, as uh, the animated movie, you know, Prince of Egypt. But he, he grew up in the court, and then eventually one day, you know, uh, he saw an Egyptian beating a fellow Hebrew, and uh, Moses, with this heart for the oppressed, this heart for his people, said enough was enough, and so he murdered this, this Egyptian, and then he buried him in the sand, and out of fear, he ran off, and he ran into Midian, um, where he ended up meeting Jethro, and, and, and um, uh, probably will mispronounce her name, but Zipporah, uh, who became his wife, and then he just began to tend Jethro's uh, sheep. And then the day came that he stumbled upon this burning bush. And so this is all the backstory of of everything that's going on that Moses has experienced and endured. And at this burning bush encounter, uh, if we read further in, Gen in uh, Exodus, we'll see that Moses ends up using five excuses uh, with the Lord. Uh, five, five excuses and uh, five attempts to push back uh, against what God, the, God's call um, for Moses to live beyond himself. You know, to live beyond the sheep. Don't just shepherd the sheep, but shepherd my people. And Moses, you know, pushed back against it. 
And so, like I said, there's five excuses, but uh, I'm, and I'm not really sure how many of those five excuses over the coming weeks I'm going to talk about because, again, I want to talk. I'll eventually talk about Jonah and Ananias and all that. But this morning, uh, I want to actually just look at the first excuse that he gave, which was found in verse 11. Uh, the first verse 11. Uh, but Moses said to God, "Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh?" And that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Or as the message puts it, Moses said, but why me? And so his very first uh, response to this, this uh, encounter with the Lord, this burning bush, and it wasn't catching on fire, and, and this voice and telling him, you know, take your shoes off. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His first response was a response of reluctance. It was, well, who am I? Um, why me? Um, you know, and, and it, it, you know, I guess it was because of his humility, because we know from numbers that Moses is, is considered to be one of the most humble people ever. But, you know, if he wrote it himself, I don't know how true that might be. <laughs> But regardless, the text tells us that he was a very humble person. So perhaps his reluctance was out of humility. All right? um, regardless, though, he, he, in that moment, his reluctancy was voicing the reality that he seemed to have forget or seemed to have forgot who he was, which was a Hebrew man. He was a Hebrew-born man, but he was also an Egyptian prince. Um, and instead, though, what he, his, he accepted what his circumstances told him that he was, which was just a fugitive, because he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. He was a fugitive and a sheep herder for his father-in-law. Um, and so, who am I? Why me? You know, he, he failed uh, in that moment, his reluctancy, he didn't catch that. Yeah, he was a Hebrew raised in Pharaoh's house, um, but he just chose to see himself as a nobody. Uh, who am I? Why me? He failed to see uh, how he was, be he was being given the chance to play a vital role uh, for the establishment of God's kingdom, um, which, you know, is eventually we know is realized in Jesus uh, many, many years later when he comes and, and brings the gospel and brings hope and those things to us. And so in recognizing his inadequacy, though, you know, Moses, like I said, I, I guess, you know, it was out of his humility. He showed his humility um, because it, it manifested in this reluctance, this, this reluctance, this excuse of, you know, uh, I don't know if I can accept this call. Who am I? Why me? Uh, but the fact is, is that God knew that uh, with his guidance that Moses was capable of doing the thing that God was asking him to do, to go and to, to free the Hebrew people, to, to lead his people, to, you know, set them, set them free from their oppression and the bondage that uh, had befallen them over the years in Egypt. Um, you know, it reminds me much like... Uh, Jesus when he called Peter out of the boat to walk on water uh, you know Jesus knew full well what Peter was capable of doing um, 
you know, Jesus never doubted that Peter could walk on water. It was Peter that doubted it, right? It was Peter's uh, uh, reluctance and, and those things that caused him to start sinking. You know, Jesus knew uh, what he was, was capable of, by, you know, if Peter just had faith in Christ and that he could trust the words of Christ, he could do this. And the same thing with God, you know, speaking to Moses, if you'll just trust me, you can do this. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter that if you came from a small town, West Virginia. It doesn't matter if you have a, a background of an addict. It doesn't matter, you know, if you come from a broken home. It doesn't matter uh, whatever the situation is, whatever you struggle with, whatever your mess is, whatever your sin is, if you just lean on me, if you lean on him, you're going to be able to do what he's called you to do and what he needs you to do. I mean, we know uh, from from St. John that Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater work than these he will do. It's us who doubt ourselves. It was Moses who doubted himself. It was never God who doubts what we can do through his empowerment. It was God never doubted what Moses could do through his empowerment. And that's crazy to think. Jesus is saying, you'll actually do greater things than I have spent the last three years doing. As long as you, you follow my leading and you, you, you know, listen to the still small voice and you move in the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll do greater things. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean leading a nation out of bondage like Moses did. But, you know, it can be any number of things. We can never uh, underestimate the impact and the, the, um, uh, the transformation that our story and our, our lives can have in, in others. So nonetheless, back to Moses. Uh, Moses had an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of his Hebrew brethren and, and sisters, right? His family. Uh, no longer, God was saying, no longer, Moses, would you have to be a fugitive living in the land of Midian. Um, but instead, you're able to actually finish. You're actually able to step into what 40 years ago you attempted to do when you killed that Egyptian and buried him in the sand, uh, which is bring freedom to the oppressed. So again, Moses, who who am I? Why why me? You know, the fact is the Lord uh, knew full well who Moses was, uh, just as Christ knows full well who who you know we are. He knows everything about us. He knows, you know. Uh, uh, he, just as he, God knew Moses killed this Egyptian and buried him in the sand, God knows what wickedness we have done in our lives and the things that we have buried in the sand of our lives and the skeletons in the closet and the things we hope no one uncovers and those things. God knows all that stuff. Jesus already knows that stuff when he reaches out to us and he calls us by name because he knows, he knows our name. He knows our sin. He knows our shame. He knows our mess. He knows what we each struggle with day in and day out. And yet he still chooses us. 
calling us to repentance, but in calling us to abundant life. You know, he still chooses us. He still chose Moses despite what we've done. So while we, like Moses, you know, may ask, who, who am I? You know, why me? When, when God says, speaks to our lives and tells us to, you know, uh, leads us to do this or to do that or speak to this person or get involved here or start this new business or start this ministry or whatever it is, uh, we can find assurance in the fact that God already knows who we are and why we are the right fit for the thing he's calling us to do. Uh, we might not think we're the right fit or that we have the skill set or the ability uh, or, as we'll find later, uh, the eloquent tongue or whatever. We may not think we have any of those things, but God knows we can do it. He knows it's, we have that ability because he knows our hearts. He knows our inmost uh, being. That's why, you know, he sent his son so that by his death and his resurrection and his ascension, each of us, uh, warts and all, uh, could find our value, our purpose in the kingdom. See, God knew that, that Moses had a heart for the oppressed, right? So that, and, and so God totally bypassed Moses' question of why me? Who am I? God totally bypassed that. And he didn't say, oh, well, Moses, because you're a prince of Egypt. Or, oh, well, Moses, because, you know, you're a handsome guy. Or, oh, because you know how to tend sheep better than, you're the bestest sheep, sheep tenderer, sheep whatever herder in the world. Bestest. Yeah, the bestest. Tenderer. <laughs> yeah. God bypassed explaining why he chose him. He, he got, bypassed all that stuff. And he moved on to the more important thing by telling Moses that he, God, would be with them on the journey. Moses would not have to do it alone. Because, uh, and God said, I will certainly be with you. And we have that same promise today. You know, Jesus said when he, was, he left, he said, I'm sending a comforter. You know, I'm sending someone that will be with you. Someone that will lead you into all truth, that will empower you to be my witnesses to Jerusalem and to Samaria and to the ends of the world. Just as God would, said he would be with Moses, Jesus tells us he continues to walk with us. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You know, and when God said that to Moses, that should have pacified Moses' reluctance, right? It should have made him be like, okay, this is great. Let's do this. I'm cool. I got it. Excellent. That's all I needed to hear. But it didn't. Moses still, you know, ended up um, choking on, on and pausing and stopping and being like, hold on. Because he gave four more excuses if you continue to read. You know, and as believers, we're always confronted with doors of opportunity as well. You know, God will, will present something to us and be like, all right, go do this thing. You know, sometimes they're they're big but most of the time they're small doors of opportunity. Uh, but they are all significant to the kingdom because ultimately Christ came to die for us as individuals. So whether we impact one life or we impact 50 lives, 500 lives, 10,000 lives, an uh, uh, being changing a life is what's important. You know, um, 
And so, so in these moments of these, these doors of opportunity and these times when the Lord says, all right, here, this is before you step into it. I'm with you. You got this. You can do it. Um, we got to just push through and push back hesitation and, and fear and reluctancy and concern in these things. Because life, the reality is, is life is made up of choices. Uh, and, you know, I mean, this morning you got up and you decided if you were going to brush your teeth or if you were going to drink coffee or if you were going to come and sit in a parking, in a driveway or if you were going to tune in to this live stream. I mean, life is made up of tons and tons of choices, right? Um, you know, and, and no matter what, you know, we don't know how our choices are ultimately going to pan out in the end, um, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but the one thing that we do know, though, is that we don't want to live in regret, right? You don't want to go into your office uh, and be like, oh, I forgot to brush my teeth and put deodorant on, and now I'm sitting in this office with my coworkers, and it's 9 million degrees outside, and there ain't nothing to drink. You're in a bad situation. <laughs> so, you know. Your coworkers are in a bad situation. Yeah. So, you know, the one thing you don't want to do is regret. <laughs> and live in regret. So think about the decisions and the choices you have to make, even the small ones, you know. <laughs> so when, when, when Meyer and I, when we set out to plant, to plant St. Thomas, uh, uh, which is, you know, two, two years ago now and, and all that, when we set out to do this, um, it seemed like a great mountain. Um, it seemed like there was this great mountain before us and you know, because previously, before that, I'd only ever been a youth and associate pastor in already established churches. Uh, yeah, we had volunteered and served in, in some church plants and stuff, but we never ourselves planted a church. Um, you know, and, and there's the fact that I work a full-time job, Myra works a full-time job. Um, and just a few years before, our family went through a very horrible, devastating ordeal um, that it was only by the grace and mercy of God that we survived it. Uh, we had every every reason, uh, every opportunity to make an excuse and, and back out of, of planting St. Thomas, of stepping in this and doing it. But we didn't. And ultimately, you know, whether St. Thomas outlives us or we outlive St. Thomas or whatever, the fact is, is we ain't going to walk in regret because we are going to be like, you know what, no, the Lord... All the way back in 2007, put on our heart this 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 thing. We got to plant a church, and then in 2012 we began really thinking about it. And then stuff happened in 2013, and it wasn't for a couple years. It, that went to the back burner, but a couple years later it came back, and we were like, "Okay, God, we're gonna just do this because it ain't going away." And because it ain't going away, that's a pretty sure sign that it's you. Because no matter what our excuses are and our reasons, God has patience. That's why he let Moses give excuse after excuse after excuse. And he didn't strike him dead. Instead, he just let him patiently whine. You know, and thankfully, thankfully, uh, we stepped into it. And we ain't going to regret having stepped into it. We don't regret having stepped into it. And I'm sure each of you could say that about things in your life, whether it's, you know, going to school to go get uh, uh, MBA or whatever it was and then step into the job you have, you know, and all that. It's like life would be different if you didn't make these, if you didn't step into these unknowns and just take the risk and do, do these things.
you know, and most of us, uh, for one reason or another, you know, we don't necessarily, we don't consistently see that scarlet thread that is weaved throughout our life. Um, maybe because of distraction, uh, the cares of the world, who knows, you name it, it could be any number of reasons, you know, but there are times that we fail to see that all of our experiences, whether good or bad, uh, we fail to realize that those experiences ultimately all have a redemptive purpose. Someone can and will be helped because of our respective stories, our respective journeys. Uh, we just have to take, you know, the step to make a difference by stepping into the lives of other people and when need be forsaking our own comfort. Right? Moses had to take the step of being like, fine, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stop uh, my comfortable life of just tending sheep and hanging out with my wife and my father-in-law. And, you know, instead I'm going to go and free a million people uh, and, you know, stand against my, my adoptive dad and challenge him and, and hope or my adopted brother or whatever, and challenge him and hope for the best. Um, sometimes he calls us to do uncomfortable things. And the fact is, like Moses, you know, we at least don't have to worry about uh, doing it alone. We don't have to worry about God telling us why he's chosen us. Uh, because are we ever really going to be satisfied when he says why? When I, right before we entered, I became a youth pastor, we were serving a church in uh, Hagerstown, Maryland, and the guy, the youth pastor, asked me to take over the, the junior high ministry, and I asked, I made the mistake of asking him why, because I thought for sure it was going to be like, dude, because you're awesome, you know, you, you're like, dude, I, I see it, the Lord prophetically spoke to me and said, you were the man, it wasn't anything like that, he, Pastor Johnson, Wes Johnson was like, because you were available and you were here. And that was the reason why. <laughs> Which, you know, that kind of deflates the big balloon of ego because you're like, oh, so that means somebody else could have done this, you know. Thankfully, God didn't answer why to Moses, and he doesn't ask, answer why to us because we probably would feel greatly diminished if he did. But the fact is our life, our experiences, our story is ultimately the reason why. He's chosen us. So we just need to find peace and comfort in the fact that, you know, he chose us because of our stories, our experiences, and more importantly, that he's never going to leave us or forsake us, that he's with us, that we got this. So realize that your life, the joys and the trials, the things that you've walked through are going to be able and used to impact the life of other people. Nothing is vain. You never, we may never, I may never, you may never, we may never be like Moses. However, by the leading and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can and we do need to be a person of impact in the lives of those individuals around us. You know, we do, we need to allow the Lord to use us to be the person that can speak hope into the life of those around us who are crying out, crying out for grace mercy and hope so let's let us in this series this this excuses we all have them let's let's drop the excuses um 
by asking in doubt, why me, who am I? Uh, and instead, let's start asking the question in faith, of why not? Why not me? He chose me. If he's calling me to do it, then why can't I? Why not? After all, as the Apostle Paul wrote, if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, speak to your people and to share from your word and this morning, this day, this third Sunday after Trinity, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just uh, give us just a, a, a greater sense of the fact that you are with us, that you will never leave us, you'll never forsake us, and that, God, we might not know um, why you chose us, but we can have confidence in knowing that uh, if we're obedient and we, we follow after you and we walk the road you've had, you have for us, that, God, you're going to use our stories, our journeys, our testimonies, our experiences to shine a little light in a dark situation. Lord, let us be people of hope, people of grace, people of mercy. Let us be people worthy of being called Christians, of being called a Christ follower. Let us lay our excuses aside. Let us let us say, why not? If he chose us, you chose us, so why can't we do what you've called us to? After all, you said we're going to do greater things. And so God, give us the confidence and give us the strength to walk into those things you've called us to do and to be the men and women you've called us to be. We ask this in Christ's name. Now unto God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost.